going to talk this morning about why we still love Christmas. We love Christmas, don't we? Good. I'm going to read to you just one passage this morning. It's found in the book of Matthew and uh, chapter 2, and it's a famous passage. I'm going to read from verse 9 to 11. You just follow what I'm saying because it's not going to be on the screen this morning. It says this. And so they left on their way to Bethlehem, and suddenly the same star that they had seen in the east reappeared. Amazed, they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic. I love that. They were so ecstatic that they shouted, and celebrated with unrestrained joy. When they came into the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome, falling to the ground at his feet. They worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't know if you captured it in that passage, the sense of wonder. Guess how many crackers were sold last year? Any guesses? How many crackers do you think were sold last year in the UK? Just the UK. How many? 10,000. We've got a guess. Can we build on that guess? Any, anybody more or less? A million? Okay. We've got a million here. 100 million. Wow, that, that sounds a lot. Shall I tell you? In 2018, we bought 150 million crackers. 150 million crackers. That figure kind of means they've caught on, doesn't it? They are big business crackers. Have you already got your crackers for Christmas? Oh, okay, okay. You better get, I, I was at Asda trying to get the crackers for this morning. They were almost run out. So I'm just encouraging you, think about getting your crackers soon. We love a cracker, don't we? Hey, come on, you can give me a bit of cheer. We love crackers, don't we? Yeah, we love a cracker. We get the crackers every year. Even though they are basically, let's, let's face it, basically a toilet roll. <laughs> with a gift in it that even Poundland wouldn't sell. Okay. Even though <laughs> they're a toilet roll with a, pound, a, a, a gift pound lad wouldn't sell, even though we bought 150 million of these babies last year. Wow. Why? Why do we do it? Like, why do we buy crackers? If, that, if it's a toilet roll with a cheap gift that you probably, let's face it, are going to leave on the floor under your chair when you leave the church service this morning, or perhaps on Christmas Day, by the end of Christmas Day, you, you, they're in the bin or they've been thrown away, and probably would say that, is there anybody in the room this morning that has opened a Christmas cracker and actually kept hold of that gift 
into Boxing Day. Has anybody ever really used it? Oh, oh. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Maybe we do actually get crackers for the gifts. Maybe that's the... I actually have to say, as I've gotten older and my gift count has gone down, I do look forward to the cracker more. Because at least I'm going to get something this year that isn't socks and... Uh, I, I, I do love I think we get crackers because they're a tradition, right? You just have to do it. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without a Christmas cracker. The Christmas dinner wouldn't be a Christmas dinner without the Christmas cracker, would it? It wouldn't be the same, would it? It'd just be like any other dinner. It'd just be a normal Sunday lunch if you didn't have the Christmas cracker. Oh, of course, and the uh, pigs in blankets. Pigs in blankets and crackers, that's what makes Christmas dinner different to every other every other lunch that you'll ever have. And so, so you have to have a Christmas cracker at, at Christmas. But here's what I think, uh, beyond tradition, here's why I think we, we love crackers. Here's why I think crackers have become a tradition. Here's why. Okay. There's something deeper going on. We love that sense of wonder that we used to have when we were kids. I think that's why we keep buying them. Do you remember when you were a kid and you got the Christmas cracker and you opened, it might be a toilet roll with a, with a marble in it, but you, as a kid, you, you pull that thing with wonder and expectation of what might come out. I, I remember those days. I remember them. I remember the wonder of the cracker as a child. And even now, as a 41-year-old male, that's how old I am, I still Remember the sense of wonder. Wonder is what Christmas is all about, right? Or it should be. We want our kids to experience the same wonder we experienced as kids. And so we get them around the table and we make a really big deal about pulling a cracker with them. And we love the, their faces. We, we love their smiles. We love their laughter. We, we love that when they pull the cracker and they hear the, the bang and they, they pull out the gifts and they put the hats. We love that sense of wonder. And we want to hold on to that sense of wonder even as grown-up, boring adults. I speak of myself. I was looking at Kit when they said that. Kit, it wasn't person. <laughs> there is something true, though, isn't there, that kind of as life goes on, as we get older, life has a way of kicking the wonder out of us. Life has a way of nullifying, of uh, dampening a sense of wonder. Perhaps that's why we hold on to the Christmas cracker so dearly. That's perhaps why we bought 150 million of them last year, because maybe there's a moment at Christmas lunch when we pull a cracker and we see our child's faces where we actually for a moment are reminded that wonder exists. Because often for the rest of the year, wonder is non-existent. We don't spend a lot of time feeling tangibly experiencing, feeling a sense of awe and wonder at many things. Kind of life as a way of knocking wonder out of us, of stripping it away from us. We can become a little bit cynical the older we get. We can get to a point where 
not much amazes us anymore. And even if something amazing does happen, it's an illusion. We're that cynical, you know? Oh, it's just... I have to say, on this note, I did see a wondrous thing the other day. I was in Poundland. Orange matchmakers are 75p. Come on. Come on now. That's wondrous. I was like, literally, my chin hit the floor. 75p, get on it. Right, anyway, that's the side point. Let's break the cracker down. Number one, we all love the snap, the bang. We love the don't we? Like, just for a moment, it's, even as uh, men may feel this, maybe more so. But there's not many times in the year where you get to essentially hold a firework in your hands. <laughs> maybe that's just me. Okay. It's the closest thing we get to it. It's the closest thing. I, I know as a kid, that was like, wow, the bang. And if you didn't get the bang, I, knew, I was really disappointed. Because you need the bang, don't you, Steve? Yeah. You agreement? Yeah. Steve's in agreement with me. You need the bang. We're at wonder at the... Now, admittedly, it's a, a small bang, admittedly. But we love it, don't we? We love that. The gift. We love the gift inside, don't we? Like every year I'm expecting, even though last year, and the year before, and the year before, and the year before, I got the sewing kit, every year I'm expecting something good, you know? Are you the same? Uh, even though I got the sewing kit every year, I'm expecting something better this year. And, and so there's a, a sense of excitement as I'm, as I'm pulling the cracker. We love a gift, even though it's not very good. We love the bad jokes in there, don't we? I mean, isn't the cracker the source of all the dad jokes in the world? I think it must be. Even this morning, we just told two or three of the jokes, and there was just a collective groan in the room as each joke was told, like a... There wasn't laughter, there was a, oh, you know, a, a sigh, wasn't there? But we love that, don't we? We love a bad joke that we should have seen the answer coming a mile away and yet didn't, you know? Love that. We love the hat, the paper hat, don't we? Well, that is those of us that have hair because those of us that don't have hair will tell you with great authority, and I'm one of them, that a paper hat on your head when you're bold is the tickliest thing ever. Like, it really does tickle. I cannot sit through Christmas dinner with the hat on my head because as I'm eating and my ears are going up and down, I can feel it tickle in my head. I have to take it off. I can't, I can't wear it. Emily encouraged us to put them on this morning as we were, as we, as we put, I was, no way. No way is that hat touching this skin, this baby. It's tickly. But we love the Christmas hat, don't we? I wonder how many of us have really missed the real wonder inside our crackers. You see, it's easy by tradition to miss the wonder of the story. Have we thought about the snap? You see, the snap represents this, that dynamite comes in small packages. That a small baby carried the very power of God. Wondrous, small, yet packed with power. Have maybe thought about the gift. Small for a reason. Reminds us that the greatest gift 
wasn't big and clever when it arrived. Wasn't big and clever. Yet life transforming. transforming. You thought about the jokes. Just to remind us that this is a season of joy to all mankind. Have you thought about the hat? It's shaped like a crown for a reason. To remind us of the wise men, the kings. Remember we three kings that visited Jesus? And when we put the hat on, it tells us we can all be part of that story. We can all welcome Jesus. Do you see how you can miss the wonder for the tradition? I wonder how many people miss the wonder of the message of Christmas for the traditions of Christmas. Did you notice in the passage that I read of the wise men that they were in this incredible state of wonder and amazement? What's amazing about that, and you may not have thought about this before, but uh, here's what I think is amazing about the wonder and amazement of these men. Firstly, they were grown-up men. Secondly, they were educated men, knowledgeable men, powerful and successful men, caught up in childlike wonder and amazement. Did, did you see that? Because often, the older we get, the less likely we are to be a people that hang around in wonder for too long. Do you remember I told you, we're like, get a bit cynical with our old age, don't we? If Jesus came and the angels came, we're like, ah, oh, yeah. I think it's the spirit of Carl Pilkington upon the church. I'm often made fun of because I look like him, but I also have some certain Carl Pilkington mannerisms. Okay, so here's what Carl Pilkington does. If you've not seen the program on TV, he goes to uh, with uh, the Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais. They send him on trips to see the wonders of the world. So he goes to Machu Picchu and the Great Pyramids and the Victoria Falls and a variety of places on his trips. He goes there, and here's what makes that program really funny, because Carl Pukinton's us. Here's what's funny, is he goes there, and instead of being caught up in amazement and wonder at the seven wonders of the world, here's his usual response. It's all right, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. There's, this, there's some great scenes and it's hilarious. He, he's outside this incredible wonder of the world in South America. What one's, is that Machu Picchu? That's Machu Picchu, isn't it? He's outside this incredible like Inca pyramid thing. I mean, most of the tourists there got their cameras out. They're like, wow. He, he's there looking at it. And then his phone goes, and it's his wife. And he's describing how to put the scart lead in the back of the DVD player in his house back in Manchester in front of Machu Picchu. It's hilarious. You've got to watch it. It's, it's just indifference in the face of something amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happens to us. It can happen to us. Is we can lose this sense of wonder at what's going on. And, and here's, here's, here's some powerful people, some knowledgeable people, some grown-up people who in this moment are in wonder. When was the last time you caught hold of something and, and just felt wonder? Or, or here's a question. When, when was the last time you encountered God 
with any wonder? Or was it a Carl Pilkinson moment? That was all right. The living God, creator of the universe, king of kings, lord of lords, lover of your soul. And you're like, ah, oh, what did I do with that scart scar lead? <laughs> did, I, did I leave the potatoes in the oven? Did I? They caught hold of who Jesus was and the response was wonder and amazement. There's a kind of wonder in this story that I wish I had more of. There's a kind of wonder in this story that's innocent and pure and real and tangible and life transforming. There's a kind of wonder in here that I want more and more of because I, I don't want cynical Mike. I don't want Pilkington Mike. I don't want the Mike that's just kind of nothing really impresses me anymore. I've kind of grown up above all that stuff. I, I want to be in the place where Jesus and my encounters with him, I, I kind of go away like in wonder at how awesome he is, how incredible he is. You, you have to picture this in the Bible because I, I want to describe to you what was happening. In this story, the angels, uh, the star is guiding the, the, um, the wise men, but in the other story, the angels come to the shepherds and they're in wonder at what's happening. Terrified, but wondrous thing is happening because the angels know what's really going on. Right? The angels are in absolute wonder and awe about what is happening around this baby. You have to understand that. And when they show up, that wonder and that amazement is transferred onto the people at that time. And they're like in wonder as well at what's happening around the baby. Now, think about that for a moment. Jesus enters into this world surrounded by wonder. But now think for a moment about how he leaves you see, the Bible tells us then that, that, that he goes to trial and he is humiliated. People are indifferent towards him, even angry, hateful. At his trial, there, there wasn't any human beings at his trial who were in wonder and awe at who he was. But I want to tell you who was in wonder and awe. Those same angels surrounding the throne in heaven watching the trial unfold in wonder at the love that would send Jesus to that place of complete humiliation. A God brought to nothing by humanity. Think for a moment as people followed him through the streets as he carried his cross up that hill to Calvary, at how people would uh, spit on him and jeer at him as he made his way through the streets with the cross on his shoulders and the blood pouring from the crown of thorns upon his head. And, and people were either indifferent or angry or disdaining him. But in heaven, the angels watched on with wonder that the mercy of God would be that great and the love of God would be that deep that he would go through that walk for the very people that were disdaining him. The angels were in wonder. Think for a moment as he hung on the cross. Will you just imagine for a moment as the nails were driven in to his hands and his feet. 
And as the sword was placed in his side, and again, as people mocked him and said things like, if you're really the king, if you're really God, take yourself down from the, from the cross. So imagine for a moment as he's surrounded by darkness and as the enemy himself taunted him. And as people looked upon him as if he were the scum of the earth, the angels surrounding the throne of God looked upon the events of earth with wonder that the grace of God, the kindness of God, and the love of God would reach that far, would go that far, would go that far for your soul to win you back. This morning, the fact that every single sin in this world has been forgiven by God is a wondrous thing. It's a thing that should make our literally chins hit the floor. Wow. The fact Jesus went that far, that's not something we just go, oh, thanks, Jesus. That's like, wow. Don't ever forget the wondrous truth that Jesus came, a small package, packed with power, packed with the love of the universe, the love of God, packed with the grace of God, packed with the mercy of God on a mission to rescue you and I. You see, when the wise men gave those gifts, I don't know if you know this, if you do, it's good to know it again. They gave three gifts, but those gifts had incredible meaning. The first gift they gave was gold. You don't normally get gold as a baby. Like, I, I, I never got gold. Did anybody else get gold as a baby? I remember sometimes mum and dad would wrap up a pan coin and put it in my stocking, but I never got gold. I, I remember they used to put satsumas in and batteries and things like that in my stocking. I never got gold. Did you ever get anybody else get gold as a baby? I mean, that's a serious present for a baby, isn't it? That's like, no. Listen. There was something prophetic happening in that gift because gold is the kind of gift you give to a king. And these guys knew there is something kingly about this baby that has been born. Wow! They were in awe and wonder of this child. They gave this gift of frankincense. I don't know if you have heard of frankincense. It's a perfume. And when in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrews would bring a sacrifice into the temple for God, they would often mix the sacrifice with frankincense so that it would take away the bad smell of the decaying sacrifice that would be brought, the, the dead animal that was brought as a sacrifice for sin. And they would mask the smell with frankincense to make the smell of the sacrifice acceptable to God. Isn't that interesting? They gave Jesus frankincense because there was something prophetic in it. They were saying this, there's something about this baby, something about this boy that will be a sacrifice and a fragrance acceptable to God. And then they gave him myrrh. There's only one use for myrrh. Myrrh is what you use, again, as a fragrance, as a smell to cover 
a dead body with when you place it in a tomb. And when they gave myrrh to Jesus, it was a prophetic sign that one day this baby would die for a purpose. Right from the outset, Jesus' purpose was clear. The gifts told a story. There was wonder throughout that this baby boy would be that boy that would one day carry the cross through those streets and die for our sins. While we watch on indifferently. But the angels, they knew. Can you picture it for a moment? Can you picture the wonder of the angels as they know this is going on? They know the true story. They know what's really going on. And they're in wonder because they know the lengths God goes to. The reckless lengths, it appears, that God goes to to show you how much he loves you. I think there is great wonder in this story. The kind of wonder that the world might actually need right now in an age of what they call is, uh, scientific naturalism. Here's what scientific naturalism does. Takes all the wonder out of the world. Uh, I want to read you a little quote by the king of indifference, Richard Dawkins. Here's what he said. The total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute that it takes me to compose this sentence, thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by rasping parasites. Thousands of all kinds are dying of salvation and starvation and thirst and disease. It must be so. If there is ever a time of plenty, this very fact will automatically lead to an increase in the population until the natural state of starvation and misery is restored. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Blimey. That was cheery, wasn't it? Yeah. Here's the deal. What you have to understand is this, this view is actually really popular right now. There's no God. There's no design. There's no wonder. There's nothing to be amazed about. Just pitiless indifference. So, so here you go. You have two worldviews here. You have the worldview that says, just make the most of the moment because there's nothing wondrous about it. You are just a selfish gene replicating and one day you shall be no more. There is no hope. There is no good. There is no evil. Just indifference. You can buy into that worldview. Or then there's this other worldview, the biblical worldview, that says this. You are purposed designed, created. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you carry with you through life. Jesus Christ died to remove all of your failing and all of your sin so that you would have hope, a restored relationship with your creator, the love of God filling your soul, the peace of God, the joy of God, the wonder of God, and life everlasting. Yeah. Which worldview do you want to buy? Which worldview makes sense? with your experience of life? 
Which worldview makes sense when you look at the beauty around you in the world today? Which worldview makes sense when you hold a newborn baby in your arms? Indifference or wonder? Which worldview makes sense when you look at the beauty in the flowers of spring? Or I don't know if you've been to the Alps and seen the majestic mountains snow-capped. Or whether you've been to the Greek islands and seen the turquoise sea washing up on the beach. Or maybe you've seen it in your experience of love. I know which worldview makes sense to me. There is wonder. It's just that that kind of worldview strips wonder away. And God wants to add wonder back into your life. So that you'll see the world through those eyes. The eyes of the angels. The eyes of the wise men. And the eyes of the shepherds. This Christmas, when you pull a cracker, you'll be reminded of not just the wonder that you had as a child, but that that wonder still exists. And that if you really knew and really saw how great is the love of God for you, even as a grown-up adult, knowledgeable, successful, educated, you also, in childlike wonder, raise your hands, fall to your knees, and worship the name that is Jesus Christ, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the baby of babies, the King, the sacrifice, the one who died, and the one who rose again, defeating death so that you and I could live. Oh, come on.